This is the Falcon Twin Podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, and this is commentary for pages 166 to 179. Page 166, and they're off. Dun, da da dun. Well, you get the picture. So, this is the first big fight scene with Mika in Falcon Twin, and it is still one of my favorite fight scenes, mainly because it flows, I think, the best of all the fight scenes I've done so far, which, in a way, is kind of unfortunate, because I really would have hoped that I would have gotten better over time, but I think that this one, more than any of the other ones, has a very nice flow from panel to panel, and this page is a very good example of it. You can see the guy swinging his sword, Mika dodges to the side, then rolls and knees him in the back, turns to see the other guy, turns and bangs his sword out of the way and then punches him and it all leads very nicely from panel to panel to panel and you can see at the end of this page that Mika is still kind of in her angry mode which is going to change soon enough but you can also tell that she's really actually doing a fairly good job of dealing with these guys because they probably are not the kind of guys who are very good fighters really and just pick on people when they get the opportunity to and you know it's not that they can't fight at all but when they're up against someone who's actually trained and determined, and as I mentioned in the last podcast, someone who's actually been sort of in this little fighting mode because she was training with Evan and Tresca just a few minutes ago, she's going to be actually a, a fairly good match for them. And also fueled by her rage at the world in general, which she's going to channel into the fight with these guys. Page 167. Now this is titled Second Thoughts, which kind of basically tells you what the entire page is about where it's the first time that Mika actually draws blood. She sees the guy and slashes his face, and when she realizes that she actually did it, she kind of freaks out about it a little bit. Because, you know, it's one thing to punch a guy, I guess, but but it's another thing entirely to actually, you know, slash him with a sword. You can see that the inner monologue of her kind of tells you that she's a little bit conflicted over this at first. I'm not too thrilled with the way that the fourth and fifth panels flow into one another because it kind of seems like Mika is freaked out and then she's also freaked out all the way through the time when she slashes the guy, which wasn't really the case and I think is one of the reasons that some people speculate that the sword is magical and sentient and controlling Mika, which is in absolutely no way the case. But if you look at these two panels, I can see why you'd kind of come to that conclusion. But the idea was that Mika was kind of freaked out this guy comes up behind her, the skinny guy. She sees him, turns around, and just sort of reacts. And it isn't until after she's actually reacted and slashed him in the shoulder that she realizes that she's now done something even worse than what she was just freaking out about. And so then in the final panel, she sort of smacks him off to the side in order to just kind of get him out of the way and get him out of her sight while Mr. Clean decides that he's going to hit her for 23 points of slashing damage next page. And that's a pretty ghastly-looking wound, I have to say. I guess Mika is still not entirely clear on how to use that shield that she's got on her left arm, which it was right there. She just didn't seem to pull it off. But, yeah, that looks like it would hurt a lot. And realistically, she probably wouldn't be able to fight very well after that. But, you know, it's not a documentary, folks. So she backs off a little bit. And, you know, it would have been, I think, a little bit too easy if she just absolutely obliterated them. Plus, I also had to further motivate what she's about to do to Mr. Clean here. And a very nice shot in the fourth panel. I particularly like Mika's posture and the way that the fat guy seems to be looming over her. Even though if you actually compare their heights in the panel, he's not. But the perspective worked out well enough that it looks like he's kind of towering over top of her. And some inner monologue in the last what, fourth and fifth panels explains that Mika is upset that she's always the one who has to back down. And it comes to the determination that this time she's actually going to 
follow through with what she's done here and make sure that the people who have to back down are these guys. Although I think she's already taken care of the skinny guy. So Mika gets really pissed off and decides to go all the way, as it were. Page 169. I think she's enjoying this. Why does that title sound familiar? This one flows all right, not quite as good as the first page that I was talking about, but not too bad. She smacks his sword out of the way and then kicks him. Now, some people expressed confusion at the second panel here. The idea is that she just rolls her, you know, kind of her foot over and, and kicks him. But people didn't seem to understand that that was her foot, and I don't know exactly whose foot they thought it was, but I thought it was fairly clear. Uh, maybe it wasn't. And so the guy kind of falls over, and she catches him on her knee and stabs him. And I really like the blood pattern on the sword in the fourth panel. It looks really good. And the fifth panel is one of the most significant panels in this entire scene. And I think you should, if you really want to understand what Falcon Twin is about, this is probably one of the key parts. Mika in this particular panel is expressing you know, the degree of cruelty that actually is inside of her. This isn't even the extent of it. There's a lot more where that came from. Mr. Clean looks kind of like a monkey in this panel. And Mika, not unlike other people, taunts this guy that she is really severely wounded. Page 170. Off with his head? Well, we'll find out. Mika finally loses patience with hearing Mr. Clean scream a whole lot, and so decides that she's going to shut him up. Evan and Tresca sort of run over to her, freaked, even though they look kind of weird in this third panel on this page. At least they, you can read their expressions that they're kind of shocked at what's actually happened here. So Mika smacks the guy, and Tresca freaks out. And this was a, a nice fake-out where people weren't entirely sure until they got to the very last panel whether or not she'd actually cut off his head. In retrospect, it would have been even better if I had put it off until the next page. It would have kept it even a little bit more suspenseful. But as it stands, it works out. Some people were upset because they were saying that he would be dead if she hit him with the sword like that. But, you know, there are a couple things. First of all, she didn't hit him straight on in the neck and, you know, crush his thyroid gland or hyoid bone or anything like that. She sort of nailed him on the side. And also, it's a comic, folks. It's not a documentary. But she certainly did knock the guy out. Page 171. Now, on this page, originally the goal was to make Mika a little bit more cheery and a little bit more genki, if you'll forgive the expression, in this particular part where she picks up the money and hands it to Tresca, which I don't think she'd be handing it to her with that arm in that condition, but she does. But the, the goal was to make her a little bit more kind of ridiculously cheerful, and when I got to this point, I realized that it wasn't going to work, so I made her sort of fake it, but you can tell that she's... You can tell that she's faking it by the way she hesitates when she says, here you go. And the heart and the dialogue bubble, which is kind of stupid. And it's interesting the way that Tresco looks dumbfounded at the money. She, I guess, is more concerned with the way that Mika's been behaving and, and snaps at her, which Mika reacts to. And she doesn't like being scolded by Tresca, obviously. But this is sort of the consequence of you know, what she's done. And she, she kind of probably knew going in that she wasn't going to get much approval from Evan and Tresca for what she did but decided that she was going to do it anyway because she really wanted to, to lash out at the world. Another thing about this page is this is the one time that I actually listened to what people were saying about Falcon Twin and kind of changed the strip based on it. I, well, I'll talk about it in a minute, but it was something that I hated so much I haven't done it since. Evan on this page says, I think they'll live. And this was because in the shout box at the time, there were a bunch of, you know, amateur medical students who were saying, well, I think that he'd be dead. You slash a guy through the shoulder and they just die instantly. They just, boom, they keel over right dead immediately. 
And yeah, I understand that the wounds that she inflicted were pretty severe, but you know they aren't instantly fatal. As I've established, there is healing in this world too. So I was kind of losing patience, and I was concerned that people were going to interpret it as her having actually killed them, which wasn't the point. She didn't kill them, she just wounded them severely. So I tried to cover it up with Evan's dialogue here, where he says, I think they'll live. But as soon as I did it, I felt really bad about it, and I felt uh, ashamed that I had kind of let other people dictate how I did Falcon Twins. So that was the first and last time that I ever really changed the comic based on what other people were saying. So um, if you think that what you're saying affects the comic, uh, I'm sorry, but it doesn't. I hope I didn't burst your bubble. Page 172. So there's a little bit of denouement here. This is not a tremendously important couple of pages, but we have to sort of straighten everything out. And now that Mika's started crying, Tresca has to deal with it and tries to comfort her. The last panel on this page is really sappy, as is the panel on the next page. The problem is that, at least for me anyway, and I suppose for other people sometimes too, it's kind of difficult to communicate a moment of kindness between two people without it seeming to become really, really sappy. And Tresca was really just kind of trying to do damage control because she realizes that she may have been a little bit too harsh with Mika and now Mika's overreacted in the other way. And so now Tresca has to kind of bring her back and say, well, it's not that I hate you or anything like that. Page 173. Now this is an, an interesting page because Evan calls Mika out on having, you know, saying that she was going to take all of the guy's money instead of leaving them enough to get healed. Evan, you know, asks if Mika doesn't think that she's hurt them enough already. And I think inside Mika's probably saying, well, no, you know, I take all their money, screw them. What, are, you know, what difference does it make whether they get healed or not? But that's not really something that she probably could say and get much of a positive response from Evan and Tresca, so she just has to sort of quietly deal with it. There's a little bit of guilt in there as well, but it's not something that she feels as guilty about as much as she just knows that she couldn't win that argument. This is also actually, I'm looking at the comment here, Bored to Tears. This is when the message board thing started on Falcon Twin. For those of you who haven't been around a whole long time, Falcon Twin didn't have a message board until, I guess, September, October of 2004, and this was when it started because I had the shout box up for a while on the webpage, as a matter of fact, since the beginning of 2004, and people were sort of pushing for a message board, and I was really reluctant to do it, mainly just because I don't like message boards all that much. So I had a whole list of reasons and everything. I've got a giant text file enumerating the dozens of reasons that I can't stand message boards. And I hate to have message boards that have nobody on it. So, But it seemed like at this point there were enough people that it might be justifiable. Even though, I mean, at this very time that I'm recording, there's still not a whole lot of traffic on the message boards. But when people were pushing for it at this time in 2004, I said, well, if you can prove to me that there's enough traffic to justify it, then um, I'll give it to you. And so what I said was, vote for Falcon Twin at Buzz Comics, and if you can keep it in the top 10 for 15 days over the course of the month, then I'll do the board. And actually, it was sort of a trick request because I didn't really expect anyone to actually get Falcon Twin into the top 10 at Buzz Comics. But I guess Karma caught up with me because what happened was that Buzz Comics went down about a day or two after I decided to announce this. And so sure enough, people said, well, what do we do now? And so I said, well, okay, you can vote at Top Web Comics. But the thing about Top Web Comics was that no one was really voting there for any other comics either at the time which meant that it wasn't all that hard to get Falcon Twin into the top 10, and I had to set up a message board in the end. But it turned out for the best. That being said, I'm still not a huge fan of message boards in general, except for all you wonderful people on the Falcon Twin message board. You're a pepper. Page 174, near Candela, another establishing shot. And this is still one of my favorite establishing shots, even though they're 
it's definitely tighter in near Mara and near Tendra. I still like this one a whole lot. The clouds and the sky in particular I really like. And the way that you have this sort of sense of a town at the foot of the mountains. And like I said, these are the mountains that separate this sort of central area from the coast off to the west. And, and this would be looking north in this particular page. Uh, as I said, the clouds look really nice. There's a very subtle atmospheric thing. If you look at the far right cliff, you can see the shadow that it's casting into the atmosphere, which I really like. There's the uh, big building on the left, which I still haven't told anyone what it is. And a lot of fun stuff to see on this page, and this is one of the things that I really like to do with establishing shots, big establishing shots of cities, is put in a lot of stuff to see. So if you look, you can see a little space between the buildings and steps leading up to someone's door. And if you look to the right, about an inch to the right of the big tree, you can see there's a building that's kind of a two-story building, and it's got a flag flying off of it. I kind of decided that that was the near Candela tourist board, which has no relation to the story at all, but there you go. And not far from that, just off to the right of that, between two trees, there's a guy out for a stroll. There's some stuff in the lake, too. Unfortunately, you can't really see any of it because the resolution of this page is so small. But if you look at the far side of the lake, you can see a dock. And in the lake itself, I think there's a boat or two, and I think they even put a shark in there. But it's so tiny, it's probably three or four pixels tall, you can't really see it. Uh, lots of interesting characters. You can see there are two, I guess, monks that are walking down the street, and a couple that are kissing, uh, another ninja, kids running around, and lots of interesting stuff going on in this, this page. That tree that you see in the circle there is the same tree that you see out the window behind Mika when they're in the restaurant in about, I guess, 10 pages or so from now. The restaurant that they're in is just off to the left of that as you're looking at this particular page. And like I said before, I like to put a lot of little details in big, wide, establishing shots like this. So this is definitely one that if you have a couple of minutes, you should take a look at all the detail stuff in there because there's definitely stuff to see. Page 175. So now that they're in the antique shop and we start to get a sense of what the Durad are up to. Remember, of course, at this time, you just know that the Durad have been causing trouble and now it's where I introduce this whole artifact thing that they're looking for. And so the woman who runs this artifact shop is kind of a nice character. She's not ever coming back, but I sort of like the way that she turned out, particularly in panel three. Just a kind of charming little lady. And another nice thing about this is this scene is that the backgrounds are actually kind of interesting. There's nothing super technically wonderful about them, but there's a lot of stuff going on to see, which is nice. And this is one of the ones that I think is, is great. There's lots of fun, interesting things to see. All magic sort of curios that don't really have any impact on the story or relevance at all. But there's fun to see. You've got little spheres that are levitating and necklaces of all kinds and a little candle holder, magic staves and crystals and all sorts of crazy stuff, which goes on through some of the next pages too. Uh, again, lots of really fun stuff to see in the backgrounds here. And like I said, this is where I start to bring in the Durad and, and what exactly their relevance is and what they're up to even though you don't really know for sure what exactly is going on. You have a sense that there's a reason that they're going around causing trouble instead of just being, you know, their usual bullies. Another nice thing on this page is the little dialogue between Mika and Tresca, which, you know, Tresca's pretty much just got Mika along his storage space. Mika wouldn't have volunteered to do this. Page 176, so Mika and Tresca are trying to fill up as full as they can before they go, and Evan's caught on to them by this point. 
And if you look, the little wand that Tresca hands Mika, she puts it into her shirt in the second panel, which is why at the end of the page, when Evan reaches into Mika's shirt, that's what he's looking for, is he's trying to grab this thing. Some people didn't really seem to understand that, so they thought that he was just kind of, you know, reaching down her shirt, I guess the cop of feel or something, which is exactly what he didn't do, which is what Mika complains about in the next page. So there are Mika and Tresca in panel three, looking like the proverbial cat that ate the canary, trying to cover up for what they've been stealing. Page 177, so... Like I said, Evan just fished out this little wand that Mika was having and didn't actually cop a feel, which sort of pisses Mika off. <laughs> Courtesy feel she would have liked. Now this is an interesting, this is when I started actually to put color into the pages a little bit more than just the color balance layers. There's, in the backgrounds, there's some of it, which is kind of subtle, but you can see panel two is a good example of this. On the left-hand side, the background is a more bluish, purplish color, and on the right-hand side, it's a more pinkish, orange color, which isn't just the color balance layer, but it's also actually separate colors that I put into there. But the most obvious colors on this page are the colors in the wand. And this is when it started, basically. There were a couple of them in the establishing shot for Near Candela. There was a little bit of it when Mika was fighting with the guys that all the blood was colored red. But besides that, there wasn't really a whole lot of color ever added to the pages. So this is the first time, at least as far as I can remember, that you actually started to have it in there on the objects and in a couple of pages you're going to start to see it on the characters too. More fun stuff to see in the backgrounds here, and I actually like this little wand thing that Evan has. It's not a story point, it's never going to show up again, but it's sort of neat looking the way it's kind of translucent, like a wrench with a lightsaber tip or something on it, and little tiny flames coming off of it. And another fun thing with Mika here is that she mentions that that was the only reason that they were following Evan around, is just to use him as a diversion to steal a bunch of stuff which is kind of based on me because I'm not really very good at not saying stuff that I shouldn't say. So that kind of carries over into Mika as well, and Tresca freaks out about it. Page 178, so Tresca gets really loud, which is kind of a dead giveaway that she's up to something, grabs Mika and is trying to hurry them both out of there, and Evan's really not being fooled by it at all, so he molests her and grabs the little trinket that she was hiding. This was the other time that I did the weird faces, not the chibi faces per se, but the kind of weirdo Chobits Hideki face in panel 5 here, which just didn't look very good. I think it would have looked alright if I had flat shaded Tresca instead of shading her normally, but as it stands now, she kind of looks like one of those aliens from X-Files or something that's got a really strange looking face and beady eyes, and it's just creepy. Mika gets a good laugh from Tresca getting all caught out and <laughs> Evan cocks an eyebrow, which is funny. And another weird little trinket that he's got. I love these little things that, that are in here in this little magic shop that have absolutely nothing to do with the story at all and they have no relevance, but they're still kind of neat conceptually and they look cool. And the colors are nice too. This one's kind of a yellowish and green and a little bit of blue color, whereas the last one was teal and magenta. So finally, page 179 dinner plans, and this is just to sort of move them on into the next scene, because really the scene, as far the important part of the scene really was just to get the little bit of information about the Durad out, and I sort of stretched it out into a bit of a longer scene. But it did get to cover some ground on Mika and Tresca and their relationship as kind of partners in crime, if you will. So basically I'm just using this to move them along into the next scene where something much more important is going to happen in the Dragon's Slave Tavern, which you know someone actually did pick up on, and kudos to that person, which was a reference to the Slayers anime, which was out quite a few years ago. But it's still a decent show. It's fun to see Evan get a little worked up over being accused of trying to pull one over on Tresca, since usually she's the one who's doing that. 
So Mika goes and hangs on to Tresca's arm a little bit, which actually probably took a little bit of courage on her part, since she's usually not one to, you know, initiate physical contact with the person, even though at this time she's not still conscious of her real feelings toward Tresca, but it's still not something she does. The very fact that she's actually made contact with Tresca is kind of a, a sign of the, the comfort level that she feels with her. So Tresca and Mika will be at the Dragon Slave Tavern at 7. I will be back next week with another podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email them to me at bman at falcontwin.com or post a message in the forums. So there.